Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's what you think. <laughs> I will say no comment to that. Anyway, let's um, let's get started here, Reggie. Are you set to go? I am. All right. I like where the levels are uh, are popping there. Good spot. Just keep them there, and we'll be in good shape. Uh, I'll give you the uh, the three S's, the countdown. You give me the music, and I'll give you a podcast. How's that? That seems to be um, a process that seems to be working pretty well up to this point, right? <laughs> All right. Let's do it then. Put it in the book, episode 265. We are always impressed with um, uh, numbers of things that reach milestones with fives and zeros. So I guess this is a big deal, right? I don't know. As I've said many times, act like Walter Payton, just another podcast. 265 is the number. Put it down, and we'll get started here. We ready to go? All right. Here's the three S's. Star, smile, even though you can't see it on the radio, strong. Even though it's not radio, it's a podcast. <laughs> Who am I talking to? And uh, we are set to go. Here we go. Three, two, one. No, wait a minute. Reggie, don't you know that <laughs> I have to say the thing and then. <laughs> wow. Okay. I wouldn't mind if you just started. Woofa. All right. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know if you know how we do this, but uh, I say three, two, one, then I say, hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic, and then you hit the music. Yeah, he's, he's nodding. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Oh, are you, are you going to give me one of those? You know what I meant. Well, yeah, unfortunately, this is there's audio involved. <laughs> All right, let's try it again. I already gave you the three S's. Um, star, smile, I'm trying to be strong. We'll do it again. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Listening to this podcast is not your only responsibility, folks. We work you to death. So get out there, spread the word, send a link, send a message, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody that you know who listens to podcasts that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and why the heck isn't it theirs? Your loyalty and your devotion and that little extra effort is always appreciated. And if you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com. Go to the prompt for the podcast. You'll see a prompt for this specific podcast. Hit back in there and you'll find a treasure trove of hundreds of previous podcasts. So if you like this, just imagine what is waiting for you there. And you can catch up and find out all the craziness that we've talked about over the last five years and counting. 
So welcome to episode 265. So today on the podcast, I wanted to uh, to touch base on a few things just uh, going on around the house. People always seem to enjoy my my uh, <laughs> my homeowner slash house stories, and uh, I must say I'm 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 fairly happy in that uh, this one uh, today's. Uh, several little stories here. None of them are major catastrophes. Um, None of them um, did I even have to call the guy. You know, my infamous rallying cry when there are any kinds of serious uh, types of jobs to do around the house. While we live in a do-it-yourself society, um, I have found through personal experience, through being very honest with myself, and with seeing the results of trying to do some things, some of these do-it-yourself projects that, um, you know, they, they look a lot easier on YouTube, right? They look a lot easier on HGTV. And you know why? Because most of the time, professionals are doing them. And that's why they look easy. So I have, I've learned through personal experience and um, years of, well, even not that many years, it only took. I'm. I'm. I am one that faces reality, even if it. Even if it's to the detriment of my own ego. Uh, if I'm not good at something, I will. I will. I mean, I will first try my hardest. I will give it my all. But if I. If I. If I. I'm very honest with myself. I don't like to do a half baked job or half blanked job, if you will. I could say asked. Can I? I like to do a, a, a half assed job on anything. I always try to do my best and be the best. And so um I now and so I will give it my all, but if 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 I just don't have it, if I just can't do a specific task or something like that, I will be honest with myself and 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 stop doing it and acquiesce to an expert. I won't uh I, I will give it my all. I will research. I will keep trying. I'm not saying that I, I give up fast, but I also realize that there's a certain point where you have to be, that there's a lost cause here, right? And I am one that likes to uh, solve a problem, not dwell on one. So I will give any project, any assignment, any task that I am given, I will jump in headfirst. And I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country to protect other people and to obey the law of the pack. Wow, where did that come from? That was the Cub Scout pledge that just kind of popped out into my head after how many years was that? My gosh, I was probably a Cub Scout back in, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago. Scary, scary to think how many years ago, but that stuff, that was drilled into my head. I haven't thought about that in years. Wow. Talk about instant recall. It was just that phrase, to do my best. And I just thought of, to do my best. And, of course, when you say that, if you were a Cub Scout, you know um, that you always you have to do the peace sign. You hold up your hands and do a peace sign. And you say, I, James Toronto, promise to do my best, to do my duty to God and my country, to protect other people, and to obey the law of the pack. 
Wow. But I will. I will always do it. But, but also, uh, I don't beat a dead horse. Um, some people may say, well, you know what? You, gotta keep, you just got to keep trying and trying until you do it. But you know what? There's some things that you just don't do well. And uh, I have been able to reconcile that with my, with my ego to say, you know what? You just can't do this. I'll never forget. When I was, uh, what, maybe in about fifth grade, so what are you, about 10 or 11 maybe? Uh, I, I wanted to play the piano, right? I became an Elton John fan when I was nine. And I just, you know, watching him and hearing him play, like many people, I just, I wanted to play the piano, right? And so uh, they had some lessons or something at school. And I always noticed, and, and I did that for a while, and they gave me this kind of weird little electric organ that didn't even have, I mean, it didn't have all the keys on it, but you could at least begin to learn how to play it. I remember that was like an first or second grade, and I, I kind of did it, and then I lost interest. But then a few years later, boom, you know, I become this Elton John fan, and I want to play the piano. And I remember walking down the street uh, on my block and always noticing about four or five houses down on the other side of the street, there was always a sign in the window that said piano lessons. And I always noticed that. And so I was like, hmm. You know, I, I would drive my bike past that sign and I would see it. And I would, in the back of my mind, say, you know, I wonder if I should. I wonder if I could. I wonder if I want to type of thing. And so finally, I just, you know, I said to my mom and dad, I, I really like to take piano lessons. Well, of course, you know, that's for a parent. I don't know about how it is now, but I think a lot of kids, you know, they all, you know, a lot of kids play different instruments. It seems like the violin is the big instrument for some reason these days. But um, anyway, uh, so my mom and dad were were thrilled, right? Wow, you know, usually a parent would have to force a kid to take a musical instrument, right? That was always kind of like, you know, why don't you do that? Why don't you play the piano? Why don't you play the saxophone or something like that? Why don't you play the child? Always, you know, parents always wanted you to play an instrument. At least in in my era, they did. And uh, so here, they didn't have to come to me and, and you know, throw you know, some instrument into my hand or, or force me to sit down. I came to them. So, wow, they were like ecstatic, you know, ecstatic. So not ecstatic. <laughs> they were ecstatic that I came up to them and said, I'd like to take a piano lesson, especially I saw this. So, you know, from my standpoint, um, can't beat that. Uh, literally, you know, less than a five-minute walk. So that's nice, right? And, uh, you know, it was, in, it was in a woman's house, so it wasn't going to be very expensive, right? So um, I started to take the piano lessons. And, you know, I was, I was okay. I was okay. I, as I said, I put myself into it. Uh, we didn't have a piano, but my parents uh, for Christmas then that year bought me a, a like a upright no no grand piano <laughs> no baby grand a nice upright which I still have today which I still cherish that they bought this for me to um to encourage me and so we still have it we have it in our house and I have <laughs> of course I, I really don't play it all that much sadly it's 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 horribly out of tune but it is a place to put a lot of you know I need, I have a lot of knickknacks Patty wax, give your dog a bone. Um, you know, I am a collector of things, so it's it, you know, the piano. Uh, I will sit down and play it every so often, but 
for the most part, it is also a very convenient uh, shelf. <laughs> it's a musical shelf <laughs> for photos, and I actually put a lot of Elton stuff on there, right? Because there's the piano connection. But um, so I, uh, you know, and, I, and then when they bought me that piano, man, I, I mean, I really now felt a a huge um, responsibility. Because they 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 went in right. I mean, they were like, okay, you know, because I, I you know, at first I said, well, I, how am I going to practice? You know, I'm going to go to a lesson, but you know, anybody knows that the key to becoming good at an instrument, becoming a good at anything, but certainly an instrument included, you have to practice. And I said, well, geez, you know, I, okay, I, I want to go to these lessons. I really want to play, but you know, and so they they went all in. You know, I'm sure. I mean, like I said, it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, a Steinway piano, but it, it you know, it, hey, you know, more than forty some years later, it's it's still there. I mean, if I got it tuned, I'm sure it would it would it would play well. It's still in good shape. So, and I really, I mean, one reason why I kept it, I didn't I didn't get rid of it. And when, when we've moved, you know, I, I when when we moved into a home, I I brought it with me, and 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 now we've been in this home twenty years, but um, more than that. Uh, but I've always taken it with me. I, I really felt a, a connection. It, uh, to me, it was a, a really uh, loving gesture by my parents because it wasn't cheap, you know, especially back in those days. And uh, but they they wanted to support me. And and so and every time I look at that piano, I always uh, not only do I think of my, I guess my ultimate failure, right? Because <laughs> I didn't become a concert pianist. <laughs> Like I'm sure they hoped I would, but at the same time, so I, there's there's that there's I look at, at at my downfall with the piano not being you know some master player, but I also look at it as uh, another uh, you know token a a tangible token of my parents' support and love, and so every time I see that piano, I do think of them and and what they did for me, you know, but. Um, so I, I I jumped into the piano lessons once, as I said before, you know, I jumped right in. And I was practicing, and I, I don't know if they still do this. I, I know a lot of people did. There's this one Indian song that, you know, Native American, I guess, right? I, 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 still have, I still have all my original sheet music that my piano teacher gave me. It's still in the bench. In fact, if you ever talked, <laughs> if, I've, if you've ever listened to me over the years, whether it's on the radio or on this podcast, I will. I talk about the the nativity, my nativity scene, and how I uh, don't put Jesus in the nativity scene until Christmas uh, Day because he wasn't born yet. So I wait and I put him in at midnight, you know, Christmas Eve, and when it's twelve oh one, I go and get the baby Jesus and then put him in the stable and. Uh, for many years, I would hide him. And one year, I, you know, I put up the, the, the decorations in early December. And by the time Christmas Day came, I forgot where I had hidden baby Jesus. It took me like two hours to find baby Jesus. Then I remembered where I put him. <laughs> so then I just, the next year, I decided, no, no, I, okay, I, let me just find a spot that is good. That's easy to get to, and that I will, will remember, and I will do it from now. I will just put him there from now on. And so I've said many times, my uh, baby Jesus for the nativity scene is in the piano bench. Well, this is the piano I've always talked about. 
You see how this all comes together, folks? You think that this podcast is all just random thoughts, but no, no. If you listen long enough, some of those little stray ends will wind up being tied into nice little knots. I just tied you a nice little knot there. If you're a long-time listener of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, you've been hearing for years uh, me talk about my nativity scene and hiding baby Jesus in the piano bench. But now you know the rest of the story. Good day. (laughs) Now you understand where the piano came from. So there you go. You see, it pays to listen. It pays to have been around for the last five years on this podcast and even dating back longer than that on the radio. But, um, yeah, so I, 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 I... I mean, I practiced. And I played that. I have to. I should even look at my sheet music. I have all the, the pieces, as my piano teacher called them. I have a new piece for you to learn. A new piece. But the first piece I learned was the, and I think it was the the, the march of the Indians or the Indian march. I don't don't forget this was, you know, back in the seventies. We weren't in a politically correct world, so Indian was the was the term. They may have to, you know, retitle that song. But I, I but the funny thing is I have heard tapes of other people when they were learning the piano, like when they were kids, like they on a video or on a on a on a you know a, 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 a tape, an audio tape of them playing and and they were playing this same song. I think I could still play that, actually. There's no sharps or flats in that, so I think that's why... That's a, a a beginner's first song because you get a little sense of tempo and there's no flats or sharps, so you just are playing the white keys and it's kind of easy. There's not a lot going on the left hand there and you're you're playing a few little notes with your right hand. And uh but anyway, so I mean I oh my mom and dad got so sick of that of that. Da, 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 da. <laughs> then I think they were I think they were regretting the day they bought the piano. <laughs> but I played, I mean, I played well. I, I, I but, 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 um, and I learned my pieces. I probably, sh- I didn't practice as much as I should have, but I learned my pieces and, um, and I did okay. But it, it became, but it was, but it was apparent to me early on that, I didn't have a natural talent for it. I didn't have a natural ability. I learned my pieces because I practiced so much that I think I memorized them more than played them, you know, more than felt them. I was playing on on reflex, not on instinct. I wa- I didn't have the talent. I mean, I couldn't just sit down and p- 
pick out a tune. You know, I, I, I mean, I learned my scales. I learned my B flats and all these scales and everything. But that stuff never really clicked with me. I never really um, understood it. I didn't know about, you know, theory of music or things like that. Um, I was given this piece to play. And I, you know, she, my piano teacher was, was a nice woman. And she taught me, you know, you know, here we are. She would play it and I would play it and we would go over it. And she's okay, now go home and now practice and blah, blah, blah. But I just didn't have the, the, the instinctual, natural talent. You know how you see people that can just sit down and just, I mean, well, any kind of, you know, professional. It's, isn't it amazing? And if you have that talent yourself, oh, my gosh, I envy you so much. And, and please don't take that for granted. If there is a natural talent there, I mean, even if you've never, uh, you know, pursued it professionally, but if you have the talent to play an instrument, especially naturally without even some people, you know, play by ear, some people, you know, can read music, but they can certainly pick a tune out just with the instrument. Boy, if you can do that, oh, don't take that for granted because believe me, not everyone can do that. It may, it, may, it may feel so natural to you, but it isn't. It isn't. For those of us that can't do it, oh, I envy you so much if you can do that. So don't take that for granted. And so I knew that I could continue to take lessons, and I could probably play the piano, but I couldn't feel the piano. I mean, I could play it, but I just didn't want to play it. I mean, I wanted to be great at it. I mean, I was watching Elton John, who's one of the greatest piano players in the world, right, of all time. And he was a child prodigy. So certainly using him as a, you know, as, a, as an example, and, you know, it wasn't probably the best idea. It certainly helped in, in inspiring me and motivating me. But then to realize that you, if you wanted to be as good as him, you know, if, if you set that as your standard, that's pretty tough to reach there there are professional musicians and professional piano players who look at him in awe right so you know you have to take that uh for what it's worth but as i said i i loved i i wanted to play so bad but you know when i sat down at a piano all i could play was what i learned because that was just you know i it just was in my brain I knew where my fingers were going, not because I knew that I was playing an A flat or, or I was in the key of G. I didn't know that stuff. I, that didn't come. I just knew this is what she told me to do. If I put my mind to it, I can do this. But, you know, to, to, to talk the musical language, that, that wasn't registering with me. And maybe I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe I should have. I, 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 you know, I was looking at it. I, maybe I was too young to understand that. I'm not sure. But whatever the, the case was, I just didn't have that natural talent. I had to work hard at it. And, and so that was discouraging to me. Um, so I took piano lessons for about two and a half years. And then I stopped. And then I got very involved, you know, in, in grammar school sports um, you know, in basketball, and I played Little League since I was eight, and then I played, you know, so then that just sort of took over 
most of my my adolescence was my sports and so I, I i didn't really now i still would sit down i had all my my sheet music and i bought a lot of uh you know books the the elton john song books right because that's what i wanted to play is elton john songs what i wound up doing uh was at least i mean but and that was the thing when i started to get the sheet music to his songs i realized i could never play these songs because he was just, you know, he wrote these and he's a master at the piano. So he was writing and doing things that you really have to know how to play the piano. I was proficient at best. And I may I may even be giving myself too many points even with that in my mind. That designation. So early on, I'd, I'd, I'd gotten some of the piano books and uh, I could see I just, you know, these these... These songs were way too hard for me to play, you know. And so what I did do, what I tried to do at least was, I said, well, at the very least, let me learn the beginnings, like the introductions of the songs, of some of Elton's songs. So at least maybe if I wanted, you know, that was a big thing too, like, oh, well, you, you, you'll be so fun at parties, you know, if you can just sit down and play the piano. And a lot of times that is true. Um, but... Uh, so what I did do, because my piano teacher, you know, would give me these pieces, you know, these, these kind of more classically or, you know, you know but, but not, not like top 40. That's what I wanted. I wanted to play the music I was listening to on the radio. And she was giving me these old songs and, you know, the flight of the, the, the fairies and all these, you know, kind of songs that were in, you know, they were interesting. And I'm sure that they were good in terms of, of, of teaching me different styles, right? Uh, and and things like that, and different tone, you know, ten, you know, uh, time signatures and, and things like that. But you know, as soon as I got a, a handle on you know where middle C was and stuff like that, I mean, I wanted to start playing some of the songs I was listening to on the radio. And she, you know, this was an older woman; she didn't know any of that. So I I took it upon myself then to say, well, let me try to learn the beginnings of some Elton songs. Maybe I can do that at the very least. I can't play them all. I can't play them straight through because they're just there's there's too much going on here. But maybe I could at least learn the beginning so I could sit down and play the beginning of your song and people go, oh, that's your song. Or I could play the beginning of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and they, oh, okay. Or I could play the beginning of Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word and things like that. So I did do that for a while. But even that, you know, I but then it was like, well, what what good is that? You know, it's kind of a tease, right? But um, so I and I felt bad. I, my parents were certainly disappointed. Right. I mean, and, and it wasn't even they weren't so much dis- disappointed about the fact that they bought this piano, although I'm, they didn't, at least they didn't tell me that. <laughs> but I think they were disappointed just because I had given up. Right. In their minds, I quit. You know, I said I wanted to do something and I didn't. But I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like, no, I gave it my all. And. I couldn't do it. And maybe for them it was hard to, you know, accept that, you know, their child, you know, didn't succeed at something. I don't know what was going on, you know, in that whole psychological thing. But I but I knew that I would rather, if I had to invest time in something, I would rather invest the time that I, in something that I could do well so that I could be, excellent at it as opposed to investing that same amount of time in something that i was only going to get to a certain level and really never get any better as much as i tried 
I knew I wasn't going to get any better. I was okay, and that's fine. But I didn't want to just be okay. And I was probably even less than okay. But I said, you know, if I want to invest that time, I want to be the best at it. So I don't reg- have any regrets not continuing because I really don't, I just didn't have the talent. You know, you can't, you know, you, you, there's just, and I, but I, from an early age then, you know, I, I realized that, that there were things that I was good at and things that I was not good at. And my view, even at an early age was, well, work on the stuff that you can get really good at. Um, because, uh, you're only going to, you know, there's some things you can't do well. That, that's a big admission, I think. And I don't, I don't believe that's giving up. I think that's, you know, a realistic point of view. Well, you can agree or disagree, but you know, but that's sort of that was my mindset. Now, how did? Oh, okay, <laughs> wow! I was talking about do-it-yourself projects and got into a whole rap about playing my piano. Wow, was not expecting that, folks. As I say many times, when I sat down to talk about this podcast, nowhere on my script here. <laughs> As if I have one. Um, did I say I'm going to go talk about uh, my piano days? But it, 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 it the story helps to uh, give a little background, a little insight as to what I'm saying. So uh, in terms of these do-it-yourself projects, money, many years later in my life, once again, I, I was honest with myself. And I have said that, and I tried, and I I put in some of the effort at the beginning and some of these things. Like I said, I could paint a wall. It's not professional, but it's not bad. There's some things I could do, and I will continue to do those. But there's other things when it comes to plumbing or building things. and stuff. That's not my forte. I tried it, uh, you know, and some of these things, you know, they tell you, oh, it's so easy. There's no such thing as easy. No two projects around a home are the same because no two homes are the same. So as I've said many times, I have um, adopted and and I do it with 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 great enthusiasm and without a hint of guilt. I will gladly put any of those projects into the hands of professionals, and I'm I'm sure that I probably could have saved some money, but I don't think I did either because the damage I may have done in trying to get it done, I'd have to pay twice as much. So you know what. I call the guy, and it gets done, it gets done right, and I never have to worry about it. So um, there, are, there were a few things around the house this, uh, this summer that I you know, needed some attention. Now, this is the thing that drives me nuts. Now, you tell me if you are in the same situation. Does it seem like your house is the only house where nature seems to congregate. Uh, I have had more things happen. Now, we've been living in this house for almost 23 years. And granted, we do live near a forest preserve, so I can understand that. We've had our share of things with, with, uh, with a lot of wildlife you know raccoons in the attic this summer i told you i had you know a squirrel in the attic we've had raccoons we've had uh you know 
no thank god no skunks have been in the house or anything but we have had a lot of skunks in the middle of the night where you have the windows open it's a nice night and all of a sudden the whole house is just you know so we do we do have a lot of you know we've had foxes in our yard i mean they haven't done any damage and we've had uh i mean woke up a couple of mornings and there's a deer sitting in they're just sitting in my yard you know <laughs> and walking down the street um but we also have had i've had some specific things where i think i may have told the story one time before that a possum either was in a fight or died like right on my, in my driveway and i had to ugh, it was gross and i had to pick it up and put it in a garbage it's terrible and as i said we had you know a squirrel earlier this year we've had um raccoons in the past over the last couple of years i have had to deal with wasps now you know this is a scary enterprise because these guys you know not only can they sting you individually but you know, if there's any kind of a of a real wasp's nest, right? I mean, that's we use that as a metaphor for something bad, right? Um, you know, it could be very dangerous. I may have told this story on the podcast a few years ago. I was I was painting the garage. See, I told you. Look at me up on a ladder, painting. I was painting like the 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 the, the fascia of the of the garage the part that's just under the the roof that you that faces that kind of wood piece there and uh as i was painting that i got to the corner of one of the corners and i noticed there was a lot of wasps flying around me and i'm like what the hell you know one is fine right it was summer but then i see another one and i'm looking around all of a sudden i mean i'm i'm looking around me and it's like it's like o'hare field you know, like you know, when a bunch of planes are in are in line, you know, waiting to land at O'Hare. Yet these were wasps, and so I got down. Then I then it got to be a little. I felt dangerous because I was kind of painting. I'm seeing these wasps all around me, so I get off the ladder and I'm watching. And all of a sudden, I'm looking, and there's all these wasps. Kind of they were they were in a holding pattern while I was there. <laughs> in my yard they were kind of in a holding pattern it seemed like when i got down off the ladder then they decided you know they got they got a uh, they got the okay from the from the the wasp uh traffic controller somewhere sitting uh in my in underneath my roof somewhere i don't know if there's you know some kind of uh you know somebody gives the, them the all clear to come into the into the the nest or whatever is there but um but suddenly, I'm, I was following the the flight of of several of them, and I noticed that they would make these wild kind of flights, and all of a sudden they would zero in and they would land on this little ledge, and they crawled up and in to just under like the shingles of my roof, and I'm like, oh god, son of a bee! There's no pun intended, right? Although son of a wasp. <laughs> Um, I've got some kind of a, a, a wasp uh, feeding ground or they're, they're doing something there now. Now, yeah, outside you see those, those big wasp, those mud caked nest things. Uh, I, so I don't know if this is a yellow jacket or a wasp. I don't know what I had seen under there. I, then I took a closer look. There was kind of like, it's not a honeycomb obviously, cause it wasn't 
a honeybee, but like this cone kind of looking thing, like one of like with these those little round, uh, you know, segments in it. But clearly, that's where they were going in. So I bought, you know, you had to buy the stuff, and I got rid of them. So I've always now, ever since that, every time I go by the garage, that was a couple of three years ago or so. I'm always just looking that spot, even though there hasn't been a wasp there or whatever. So the one time one of these little those little honeycomb things, a wasp was was building one right by our back door on the bricks. That was kind of strange, right underneath the the little awning that we had. So I had to kill that. So I had to, I've had to I've had to use that that wasp spray. And if you've ever done that, you know that's kind of a trip. I mean, you know that wasps are. This is not a a, a thing to. You know, it's no game of tag because. Even the wasp killer, the spray, you know, the, it's advertised that it's that it can spray up to twenty some feet. So clearly, they don't want you near where you're spraying. They're giving you a nice twenty foot la- you know, lead here to be far away from that in case you know these things get agitated. They, you know, you, you you have some you know some safety, you know, little little room to run. So it's no easy fun thing. It's, there's always a little hesitancy and it's a little scary to think because you never really know what's going on especially with with these kind of once again i don't know if they're wasps or yellow jackets but because most these are always under and in somewhere and it seems like they're always in these these kind of soffit and fascia parts of of a house or a garage at least in my case so a couple weeks ago we were out in the yard and uh, you know it's been very warm here in chicago we were outside and and Near that spot where I saw them go in a few years ago and was able to use the, the wasp spray, we have a a birdhouse hanging from the garage, from an, from you know hanging from that underneath part, the the the, the face the soffit I, I suppose of the of the garage, and uh, we actually have about what four birdhouses around our our entire garage. But there's just this one in this one corner. And uh, it's a nice little house. We've had it for decades. And uh, every year, without fail, I don't know whether whether it's the same birds or not, um, but uh, it's always inhabited, you know, around, you know, springtime and then early summer and then baby, you know, the birds have babies. Well, we were surprised. One, you know, this year once again, um, two of them in the in the backyard were being used out of the three there. But we were surprised that this one was not being used. It was always it's always kind of the first one that always gets used. Maybe it's in a good spot. I'm not sure why, but we were surprised that uh, that this year this birdhouse was not being used by any birds. And I was like, oh, that's strange. Well, we may have solved the mystery. You know, I don't watch Columbo for nothing, folks. So we're out in the yard, and well, I, and here's the interesting thing: about a week before this discovery, um, we're sitting in our living room, and uh, our cat Grimsby, all of a sudden, you know, you can always see when she sees something like a some kind of a 
of a bug, whether it's a moth or a fly or something. She always just all of a sudden, whatever whatever she's doing, she stops dead in her tracks and just zeroes in on it. I mean, she's like in a daze. She is just hypnotized by any kind of a bug she can and, and she's got a she's got pretty good eyes she sees these these little flies that you can't well, you don't even know they're there and she's and we're like oh wait she's looking at something and she'll either swat at it or walk over there and all of a sudden she'll swat it and then you'll see her looking at it and you look down the ground there's this this microscopic little bug that we never would have seen and she saw it flying and she knocked it out so we're in the living room just watching TV one night and um, she's got this, the gaze on and we're like, well, she sees something. And sure enough, it was a wasp. And we're like, woof, you know? And in fact, I think my wife said earlier um, before that, my wife had seen a wasp like flying around her, her, uh, her food bowl. And she was kind of staring at it. My wife was able to kill it, you know. So, and then we got lucky. So then she was staring at the wasp, but we couldn't catch it. We tried to kill it. It was eluding us. Then one day I was on the phone, and I was talking and kind of walking around while I was on the phone, and I looked at the 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 the, the, the <laughs> through one of our shades covering a window, and I saw it between the shade and the window. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's the wasp, which was nice for me because I didn't even have to like pretend to try to kill it, you know, and 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 swat at it and miss it, and then maybe start running around because you know starts chasing you because this thing had no idea I was there, so I just kind of you know pressed it against the window, and thankfully it didn't you know leave any marks on the shade or anything, so that was an easy end to that wasp situation, but but. So now there was like, hmm, well, you know, there's two wasps, which is kind of strange. And so in a short period of time, and, but you're like, you know what, you know, now the doors are open, you know, then the weather is nice. You keep the door open. So anything can fly in. Right. But clearly now in retrospect, if there was a reason that these wasps were flying in our house, it's because. They were kind of setting up shop in the in 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 the yard. They were in the area, so they were, it was much more chance for one to fly in because it seems like they were uh, you know buzzing around and sticking around. And here's what happened: we're out in the yard, and my wife notices a couple of wasps, you know, kind of flying around, and she also followed the flight and she goes oh my gosh the wasps are flying into the hole in that birdhouse so clearly they were either they had set up or they were setting up shop and if you think about it it's not a bad place right i mean my gosh it's it's tailor-made it's there's it's hidden it's hanging it's got a small hole big enough for them to get in, but not big enough for a lot of other things to get in. So really, I mean, I don't, I mean, this, what an eye opener this was. I, I never really thought about it, but you know, those, those birdhouses that you just sort of have there hanging in your yard, if a bird doesn't get in there and occupy that, wow, I mean, that's a perfect place 
for some insect to set up shop, and it looked like that's what they were doing. They were zipping around that same kind of crazy pattern, and then all of a sudden they zero in, and all of a sudden it's climbing on the little roof, and it went right in. It's like, wow. Who would have thought that? Which then, of course, gave us the answer to the earlier question, how come no birds were living in that house? Why hadn't birds? Well, perhaps, who knows how long these wasps had become the new inhabitants. So obviously the birds were like, (laughs) I'm not going in there. So that answered a couple of questions. A, why did we have maybe some kind of, you know, like two wasps in our house because they've been in the neighborhood. They were, you know, very close to the front, to the back door. When we're going in with groceries or walking in any time or whatever, you know, you leave the door open a little. It, it takes two seconds, right, for some insect to fly in. And if they're flying around using our backyard as as their landing base, then odds are they'll probably get in the house. So that made a lot of sense. So. Here's another thing about me. If if you listen to me with any kind of regularity, you know I I like making lists. And I really I I like to I don't like to run up I don't like to run out of things. I I you know I I do most of the of the shopping in our in our house and I I consider if we run out if if we run out of something. I consider that a failure in my job of of buying the supplies for the house. If we run out of something, I view that as I failed my job. It's not that uh, you can't run out of something, but I always I always believe in having more on hand so that it's always a a seamless process. Right? Yes, you run out of stuff, but there's there's the next one in line ready to go you know right you buy several packages of toilet paper or uh you know paper towels so the goal is to never say we're out of toilet paper right oh my god or oh we're out of oh you know make sure we get the i never want to say oh make sure we get these because we don't have any so I always have at I I I shop by and live by as the main shopper for the supplies of the house. I live by the two extra rule. So I never have you know if there's something that we that we are going to use on an ongoing basis, I always have at least two in addition to the one I'm using. So really have 3 but I always have two because then, you know, if you run out of one and then you only have one, now you might not, and if you don't think about it, you could run out about that one and now you have none. I never want to get caught short. So my rule is always have two of whatever you're using in addition, you know, in in reserve, always have two in reserve in addition to the one you're using. So whether it's air freshener, whether it's paper towels, whether it's, uh, you know, if there's a certain color paint you may, you may you may use a lot around your house, like white. I always have two, like little of those two those small thing, the small ones that you you know, like the quartz. I always have two 
quarts of white paint at all times because you always use white and you never know when you're going to need it. So I always have two of everything that I could buy like that when I go shopping. I, I know I always get one extra. In my view, you can't have too many because you're always going to use it, right? So a lot of times they say, oh, we go and get some, oh, we're going to, we, we need some tooth, you know, we, we need some toothpaste. When we need toothpaste, that doesn't mean that we're running out of toothpaste of the one we're using. That means we are running out of the one we're using. We have the spare, but we may not have another spare. So in my mind, running out is not having two in reserve. If you only have one, you're running out. <laughs> now that's I don't know if that sounds crazy, but all I know is I, it may sound anal, it may sound crazy, it may sound uh, you know over intense. But at the end of the day, we don't run out of anything. I have two black peppers, like you know those little McCormick, you know, the, like when you buy you know that you put into your your paper your pepper shakers, you know the ground pepper. We have some that are that that we have a grinder, but we have others that are just in a regular shaker. I have two right now. We have the shaker is full, and I have two of those tin, those small little tin McCormick things. With when you pull the tops up, they've got different ways, like almost like the Play-Doh thing, where you can it comes out, you know, in in little grains or all at one time. You could pour it. I have two of those. Because we use pepper. I love pepper. So we have two. I have two of those. In addition to what's in the shaker being used, I have two of those in reserve in the cabinet. I just, I, 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 I shop by the rule of plus two. Plus two. That's my rule of shopping. The plus two rule of shopping. So, um, you should not be surprised then that when it comes to having a wasp problem, I am prepared. I had, uh, much to my chagrin, I, 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 I let it, I let it slip on this. <laughs> I only had one and a half cans of wasp spray from that last time. I only used a half. Now, I should have gotten another wasp thing, but, you know, I didn't have wasps for a couple of years, so I let it slide. But now at least I, I, we, we saw we had a wasp problem, and it wasn't like, okay, well, uh, now I have to go to the store and buy one. Nope, I had my, at least I had my can and a half, which could get me through my current wasp problem. And then I would know that when I went out next time, I would have to buy at least three cans. Because I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get caught like this. I, I really wanted to have my two, and I was only had one and a half. So I went to the garage. There they were, you know, garbage bags. I have two, I have three boxes of like hefty bags. You know, they come in like the thirty packs. I have two of those plus the one that's open. Febreze. I have two. In reserve, plus the one that we're using. I love, you know, Glade Air Freshener. My gosh, I've got 15 of those. I mean, that's never going to run out of that. 
But, uh, you know, I have two packs of toilet paper. I have two, you know, eight packs of, of paper towels. When one gets low, okay, get it. It's always, it's a constant flowing. We never run out of stuff. The, the stuff that we use all the time, I just, I, I go by the two method and it may sound, you know, over exaggerated or, or overkill, but you know what? Of that stuff we always have, I never run out. So I was very happy when I had this wasp problem that I could I could tackle it immediately because that's another thing. Once a problem arises, I like to just let's get it, let's let's deal with it, let's solve it, and put a check mark and move on. So my wife saw the wasps. We have a wasp problem. We have a, a potential wasp, uh, you know, nest, whatever it is in that in that. In that birdhouse, it's let's get rid of it. Let's let's tackle the problem. Let's solve the problem. So I've learned through experience that if you're going to spray and to try to kill any kind of a wasp nest or anything like that where they congregate, it's best to do it after sundown, around dusk, because they spend their days scavenging for things and then they they rest during the evening. So it's best to do that because, A, you'll know that they're there, so you'll get them, and, B, they're kind of tired. <laughs> but at least what you want to do is get them as many at a time, you kill them as possible, then they, then they will, they, you know, especially if there's a, a queen in there, uh, they won't come back, right? That's their thing, and if you kill the whole nest, you, you've, you've solved your problem. So you want to get them when they're, most there, not when they're out gallivanting during the day. So uh, you know, I went and I got my uh, got my ladder, and I had my one and a half cans, and I wanted to make sure that I could aim it at the hole where we, I saw them go in, and uh, and so you know, I and I don't know they on the can it said twenty two feet. I don't know if that was twenty two feet. It didn't seem like it was twenty-two feet, but I, I was I was far enough away that in case they were going to come flying out, I, I would have enough, you know, time to jump out. But um, so I sprayed. I did as best as I could, and I sprayed into that hole. We're going to have to throw that house out because you know it's it's now covered in that. You know, I don't know what that spray is. It can't be something good, <laughs> and I wouldn't want any birds to go in there because you know if they peck at it or something you know or it's on there it, it could you know it could fatally affect them so we're, we're throwing that out which is a shame because it was a nice professionally made birdhouse and we've had it for 20 some years but you know the damn wasps had to ruin it for everybody so i sprayed that hole and uh felt very good about my spray job there i got right in there at dusk, it was a little dark, and I felt very, uh, very good about uh, that. I hopefully uh, solved the problem. The next day, in the morning, early afternoon, I went out there a few times and did not see any wasps flying into the birdhouse. Comma. However, comma. I did see a few wasps still flying around now in the past i've seen this where you know when i've 
when I've sprayed this, you know, some of the wasps that maybe were not in there, they come back because they've been used to going. There, but then whatever radar is there, they realize, well, wait a minute, where is everybody? And they're not getting, I don't know if they hear it. I don't know how they know where it is. I don't know if they can smell or it's a buzz or it's instinct, but they, they, they're drawn to the spot. But then they, you could see that they're like, huh, well, I thought it was here. And then they go away. Whereas other times, you know, when the when the nest is there, they go right in and all of a sudden they fly, fly, and then all of a sudden they, they land and they walk a little and all of a sudden they disappear into this thing, you know. But now I was watching some wasps fly. So I said, well, maybe these are the, some wasps that, you know, were out, they were out, you know, late at night. They were the night owl wasps. <laughs> They didn't. Uh, they they don't know uh, that they're supposed to be in at night. You know they like to gallivant at night, and so I was watching these fly, and now I was seeing two or three or four other ones going into another spot. Once again, very similar to that spot in the garage from a few years ago. You know, all it takes is this little opening little cracks in in you know between the sh- you know the the shingles and the wood or it it's that's all they need it's amazing once again they're looking for shelter they're looking for something that's hidden looking for something inconspicuous and so that's where they go it's amazing how they find these things but sure enough I'm watching and there they go and I'm like you son so now I'm like little did I know that I was I mean we were we were must have been like the O'Hare Field before, like of of wasps. This was wasp central here in the neighborhood, <clears throat> and I'm like, why the heck is my garage the one? I don't see anybody else. I don't see any of my neighbors on ladders with wasp spray. I have not seen that this summer, but there I am now, almost two days in a row spraying for wasps. Now I'm even more upset. Because I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't have my two in the, in reserve. I should have had four cans, right? I only had one and a half and I used them all on that thing. So now I'm mad because I see this and I, I'm not prepared at the moment. Now, thankfully it was during the day. I was able to rectify my situation. I went out during the day. I bought four cans now knowing that i would i would use at least one if not two and i will have two in reserve and i'm happy to say that i waited till dusk that day then the day that i bought the new four new cans and i sprayed this spot where i i observed where they were going in sprayed it pretty well only used one can though and um that seems to have done the trick so I'm very happy in that now I have three cans waiting. I hope I never have to use them. I don't necessarily enjoy doing this. I mean, I, I you know I know it's kind of mean, but it also could be very dangerous, especially if they get in the house, right? So what are you going to do? They are called pests, aren't they? <laughs> but um, all I know is I am ready to go. I have three cans of wasp spray. I have three cans, four cans or so of mosquito spray because we, we go out into the yard in the summer and I have one of those fogger things that you know, create the nice little, you go around the perimeter of where you're sitting and you create like this, 
this um, this barrier of of insect spray. So I have three of those. I have four fogger cans ready to go. We used to have we used to have tiki torches. I would always have at least two of those big jugs of the of that fluid that you would put in the torches. I'm telling you, you got to subscribe to the two plus rule. You it will make your life easier. You you won't have to rush out. You never run out. And it you know at the time you go oh geez like why was this week's uh, you know groceries much more expensive than the other ones? But then you know what you're not buying that again for so long. So rather and then there's nothing worse than running out. There's nothing worse than running out of some. I mean, I mean yeah, don't get me wrong. There are things. But in this case, you know, when you, when you want something, oh, we're out of this. I, when we're out of it, that means we don't have two in the, in, in the bank. We don't have two in reserve. So I was very happy in that I was able to uh, solve my WASP problem. But at the same time, I, it's so frustrating. I'm like, why is it my house? Why am why is mine the one where it seems now once again maybe everyone else is having wasp problems I don't know but my gosh to have had two separate wasp things and these were probably within f- 10 feet of one another so this was kind of like hey guys let's go to Elton Jim's house because he's got this garage that's got a birdhouse that we could build a nest in maybe. And then you guys, if you want to do one right down the road here, right by, see where the, see where the shingle meets the top of the garage. There's a little space there. You guys can crawl right in there. So, you know, we've got the, the birdhouse, you know, we had dibs on that, but you guys could be right there. It's like, it's like two friends moving in next door to one another. Hey, we just bought houses. We're, we're next door neighbors. How great is this? For all I know, they were going to set up a whole neighborhood of wasps. And I'm like, wh- wh- why? I don't see my neighbors dealing with wasps. I didn't see anybody spraying 22 feet away except me. So I'm hoping that my wasp problem is done for the summer. I don't know if it. I know if I don't know if it will be or not, but I'm hoping that it will be. It's it's always a little scary because these things, you know, you hear stories about people getting bit by wasps, and you know they then they have reactions, and you know obviously it hurts. And, so I don't enjoy doing it at all, and I don't enjoy you know eliminating them either. I would I would rather that they they live free, but just go live free somewhere else. You know, but just so you know, wasps, if there's any wasps listening to this podcast, and I I do not discriminate, I hope that all people of all races and all creeds, all animals and insects, you are free to listen. I, I welcome you into the tent. But just know, moving forward, if you have any designs, any ideas, of coming back to Elton Jim's house or his garage to set up shop for one of your little wasp nests, just know I've got three cans of Raid just waiting. 
And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget, every Monday an episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, tell your friends, tell your family, send them a link, send them a message, tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and your devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 265. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Mm-hmm.